you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Wednesday, September 29th is just moments away. But before we do this, we need to thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. The Chicago Federation of Labor, our sponsors, as well as the Chicago Teachers Union. It's true. Also, Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pot to smoke, eat, rub on yourself, like lotion or whatever. They got pot lotion, right? And so much more, chicagoreader.com. Subscribe, and you can help out this program if you'd like, chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky, and you can become a binhead, chicagoreader.com forward slash J-O-R-A, V as in victory, S-K-Y. It is Wednesday, September 29th, and live from my same old apartment, but his luxurious Airbnb in sunny California. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, legendary Chicago journalist Monroe Anderson, and it's the long-awaited return of Romeo Dixon. Now your host, please put the surfboard down. <laughs> we have a show to do. <laughs> oh, a, a, is that a, a shell necklace? Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Go Bears Go, as in leave Wednesday. And here's why. Yes, indeed. I am in sunny California. Yes, indeed. I'm in my luxurious Airbnb. Yes, indeed. It's about as big as a phone booth, but it's still luxurious. And yes, indeed, I'm wearing love beads and a sunglasses. And I got a surfboard. And as soon as it's over, I'm going to the beach. Actually, no, as everybody knows, I said yesterday, I'm in L.A. waiting for my uh, granddaughter. I guess it's my, I can announce it, my granddaughter, please. Any day now. So, uh, yeah, we're here to help with the birth. But meanwhile, the show goes on. Uh, by the way, D, uh, just a reversal. Just want to correct that real fast. Dixon Romeo uh, is our guest, uh, the second guest. <laughs> but Romeo and, Dixon. Uh, yeah. Hey, I got uh, a buddy he, named Romeo Dixon. Went to school with him. Sorry about that. It's okay. He'll get a kick out of it. He's got a great sense of humor. Community activist. Uh, one of the uh, the people uh, probably saw him on TV. Uh, he was interviewed a lot on TV and radio yesterday uh, regarding the Obama Center. Uh, yes, the Obama Center. That's, <laughs> I leave town and everything breaks out. The Obamas come back to Chicago. I leave Chicago briefly and the Obamas come back to Chicago. Hi, everybody. We're back. We love Chicago. We love it so much. We can't wait to get out of it. Never come back. And we'll talk about the Obamas later in the show. I'm probably going to uh, irritate a lot of my listeners, D. Not really feeling the Obama Center right now, all right? Just throwing that out there. I don't know. It's just some symbolic about it, putting it apart. When there's so much vacant land, you could have put it in. But, you know, 
I guess this is uh, the Obamas felt this was the appropriate way to honor an ex-president. So it's going in a park. So that broke yesterday. We'll be talking about that. Uh, what else? Oh, God. This story, D, broke uh, this morning. Uh, we got a uh, text. Let's give a shout out to young Danny uh, Pogoshelsky. was the one who sent us this text. Now, uh, he'll be on the, uh, the show tomorrow with Jacob Kaplan, the political know-it-alls. We're talking uh, Illinois politics. But he sent us the... A text with the update about how WBEZ and the Sun-Times are thinking of merging. That one caught me off guard. I didn't see that one coming. What a bizarre, interesting little combination that will be if it actually happens. Uh, WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times. When I mentioned that to Dennis, the first thing he said was, isn't that interesting? As soon as we leave the Sun-Times, they cut a deal with B. No, I didn't say they that. Could- I said, oh, man, shucks. Couldn't have the opportunity to work with those guys professionals oh my god <laughs> hey bz his resume is there yeah it's under the it's under the bottom of, of of resumes that you put that said don't read these but his is there i'm sorry we only take graduates from ivy league colleges it'd be interesting to see uh the, how the cultures you know merge sometimes the hardest working newspaper in chicago working we're tough all right, we dig out stories. That's sort of their image. And be easy as well. Quite interesting and ironic. So will the irony merge with the hard-hitting news? And the big question, right. who's going to get that room by the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> that, who gets that spot? That's the big question. Beautiful studio right now as we speak. There's a battle going on at BZ. Um, We want that studio by the bathroom, okay? <laughs> the water fountain we were living the good life buddy <laughs> oh man that water fountain was a beautiful thing ladies and gentlemen you have no idea and for reasons i'll never understand i like to bring this out i'm not part of the planning process at the sun times laying out the office but somebody thought it would be a good idea to put the bath the water fountain right outside the woman's bathroom Ugh. <laughs> you know that was really awkward the door would open i'm not a weirdo i'm just getting a drink of water anyway congratulations be easy and uh Sometimes let's hope that merger works out. And whoever gets that room, I think I left something there. Uh, <laughs> maybe we could talk. I left. A- <laughs> we kind of left in a hurry. It was a little like uh, the fall of Saigon in 1975. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We were airlifted out of that uh, uh, that newsroom. It was, of course, at the start of COVID. And get out of here. And uh, <laughs> Dennis, would, <laughs> the last days before we left would be. Every time someone was done talking in the microphone, remember this, D, getting oh, over there, God. wiping. Yeah. No, I put a Kleenex with a rubber band over the microphones. Oh, <laughs> uh. oh God, good times in the little studio. Love that little studio. Uh, we'll always miss that little studio. But, yeah, somebody, uh, with if there is a merger, they'll be doing shows from that little WB. Just imagine here we are in the WBZ in the little studio. I found an avocado sandwich uh, in the corner <laughs> of the room. All right. Monroe Anderson has joined us. But before uh, we bring him on full time, let me just get this last point out. The other news that broke yesterday, of course, is the Chicago Bears <laughs> announced that they were purchasing the Arlington track uh, racetrack, uh, the old racetrack in Arlington Heights. Uh, and presumably they're going to move their team to Arlington Heights. They're going to build a brand new stadium with a retractable dome, and they're going to control absolutely all the revenue uh, that comes out of that stadium and all the little 
venues around it, and they're so happy, more money for the Bears. And it's, I guess, it's bad timing. I'm a Bear fan. Uh, poor me. And I watched Sunday's game where they lost uh, to the Cleveland Browns. I got to tell you, folks, that was one of the worst football performances I've seen in my life. And I've been watching Bears games since 1966. The play calling was atrocious. The offensive line is a disgrace. The quarterback, no matter who he is, you could put a young Monroe Anderson in that quarterback position as fast and as strong and as nimble as he was back in the day at Gary, Indiana, and he would be running for his life. That is the worst offensive line I've ever seen. So why, Chicago and Arlington Heights, would you reward such incompetence? It's it's like you're giving your good property tax dollars to one of the most poorly run teams in the NFL. That game, I'll say, I'll say this right now. Sunday's game was the worst offensive display I've seen in this century from a football team. And then after that, I watched the Packers. Oh, God, this is even worse. Aaron Rodgers, a competent quarterback with a proficient front line, driving down the field. This is something no Bear fan will ever see in his or her lifetime. Driving down the field, Monroe Anderson, the clock wore down, no timeout. For field goal, boom, the guy kicks the field goal, and Packers win. Meanwhile, Bears can't even, are lucky to get a first down, and now the Bears want to go to Arlington tonight's. I'm just going to say this, Arlington Heights. It's me speaking to you. They're going to fund that uh, football field with your property tax dollars. They won't say it's your property tax dollars. They'll say it's a TIF deal, like it's somehow or other not <laughs> connected to property tax dollars. But despite what they tell you, Arlington Heights, your property taxes will go up to pay for the Bears and their ineptitude. You will be subsidizing the Bears' ineptitude, Arlington Heights. And I have this to say to that. Better you than me. We got a great show today, everybody. Monroe Anderson, the legendary Monroe Anderson, the pride and joy of Gary, Indiana, has joined us. He, I'm looking at him right now. Uh, and in about a half an hour, uh, we'll bring on Dixon Romeo, a community activist from the south side of Chicago who was one of the protesters outside Obama Center uh, yesterday. Uh, the uh, the silver shovel ceremonial digging of dirt to uh, announce the beginning of that project. Uh, Dixon Romeo uh, thinks that the South Side got a bum deal. At least the residents, the longtime residents of the South Side, got a bum deal. And he's trying to um, sort of force the city and the Obamas uh, to be a little more generous uh, with uh, the longtime residents of the South Side in terms of community benefits agreement and anti gentrification clause and maybe help them with housing costs. Good luck with that one, trying to get the city of Chicago and the Obamas to be generous to the Southsiders. But we will hear what he has to say, and it'll be curious, interesting, the generational divide. Let's see uh, how what Monroe has to say about it. Uh, but we'll hold off Obama Center talk until then. And right now, we'll bring on the great, the legendary Monroe Anderson. Welcome back, Monroe. It's good to be back again. Yes, and uh, this time I'm, of course, in sunny L.A., uh, really uh, grooving the, the good life. We'll be here for another two weeks or so, so get used to this one, Monroe, me in sunny L.A. Well, uh, yeah, obviously, you must live, um, you must be staying right down the street from your daughter, because if, if you're in L.A. traffic, you're in L.A. traffic. Yes. No, we're literally uh, about a 20-minute walk 
from where yeah. she is. So okay. uh, it's very convenient. It's a small room, but uh, hey, it's working. Uh, all things are working. So, so you, you, you have a loving wife. So that's 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 not a punishment. No, yes, I have a loving wife. She's and she was the one who kept this. Oh my God! Yesterday, uh, well, let's not re, uh, redo uh, what happened yesterday. We we went on the air, but uh, it was my wife who's the only one who kept the thing together. All right, Monroe. Uh, before we uh, go into um, uh, reconciliation talk, Congress talk, Trump talk. Trump is out of his mind. The latest uh, revelations about Donald Trump uh, and his the need to uh, let, let him listen to soothing. Broadway tunes to keep him from losing his mind. Before we get to that, uh, your thoughts. You're a lifelong Chicago Bears fan. Uh, you grew up, yes, it's true. You grew up in Gary, not, Indiana. Not lifelong. On, only since the early 80s. Oh, okay. I, yeah. As a kid in Gary, I was going to say you probably were a Bears fan, but no, yeah. you were not. No, I was uh, not were... paying any attention. I, in fact, my ex-wife, when we became friends again after 25 years not being friends. Uh, she was surprised to see that I was a Bears fan. She couldn't because I was not a sports person at all for the first 30 some years of my life. Well, I don't think of you a sports uh, person at all. I think he was like uh, a bookish person, uh, a person into music and not sports. But we're going to actually have two sports-related conversations. I'm going to have to ask you about LeBron James yeah. uh, in a little while. Well, yeah. I'm now sort of a sports person. I'm yeah. not I'm not fanatical like um, somebody else on this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like a certain me you're talking about uh, who who watched like three football games on Saturday on Sunday. All right, uh, so Monroe. So t- putting aside the sports fan issue, uh, you look at this from two perspectives. One is the perspective of, of as a press secretary to a mayor and the need for a mayor. Uh, to look like, in this case, she she is in charge, uh, and she will not let a treasured Chicago franchise leave the city. And you also look at it from the perspective of a homeowner on the north side of Chicago whose property taxes continue to go up, 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 up. And uh, so I know you have conflicting feelings right there. So your first reaction, are you okay with the Chicago Bears leaving Chicago and going to Arlington Heights? Good witness to bad whoopies. <laughs> to, to quote that great philosopher, King Elmer Fudd. <laughs> now, now, this is the thing. Back in the 90s, I want to say, might have even been a little earlier than that, Mike Royko wrote a column where he said that uh, – let the bears go wherever they want to that it was the it was the most expensive tv studio in town that they played 10 home games and that's the only time you saw them and we were paying all these millions and millions and millions of dollars for that and so he said we should let them go now the thing is most mayors like football teams because it gives them status they think, and in Chicago's in 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 Chicago, in Chicago, having the stadium there, you you have people come in from the suburbs, and they go to the game, and sometimes they go and have a drink or two or dinner afterwards. You know, it depends on the person, um, but I don't I don't think it's worth it. 
The only thing as a viewer, I mean, there have been times in my life where I was actually, I've never, I was at actually at the stadium. I've never sat in the stands and watched a game. Either I was in a skybox or I was at home in front of my TV. Uh, and not many times at a skybox, maybe three or four or five times, something like that. But the skybox is nice. Yeah. Uh, but, but, you know, I love seeing Chicago skyline when they have the home games. I mean, it's just, you know, it really does good for Chicago. But other than that, I hate the traffic that happens. I, I avoid that area every time there's a home game if I'm driving anywhere. Um, and so I'm not going to miss them. Yeah, the, the, the reality is your first point about Roy, what Royko said is absolutely true. It's just a glorified television show. And uh, already the New York Giants don't play in New York. And the New York Jets don't play in New York. The Oakland Raiders left Oakland twice. Uh, and now they're in Las Vegas. Uh, so cities are at the mercy of, of the owners of the football teams who squeeze uh, them for money to pay for their um, – subsidize their stadium right. deals, make them even richer than they already are. Right. And what we get back in exchange is very little. And Monroe, I got to tell you right now, if the bears move to Arlington Heights, which I presume they will, because I, I got a feeling that the people in Arlington Heights are just going to, yeah, no, so they're in control money. of this deal. Chicago can't do anything about it. Yeah. They, they, they have to be there for, uh, either have to buy out their lease or yeah, finish out the lease for yeah, the 10 years, four, four years. They can pay, give Chicago $84 million and, and be gone. Buy it out, which yeah. probably be uh, money that Arlington Heights will pay them. So, folks, just think about that. When all is said and done, my prediction is that Arlington Heights will finance this deal with a TIF, uh, which Arlington Heights residents probably don't even know what a TIF is. And I, You know, if it's hard enough for educating Chicagoans about it, so I'm going to leave that for the, the moment. Uh, but, yes, Monroe, they'll buy out uh, the deal. But when they're – Let's say they're the Arlington Heights Bears and they're playing in their little new stadium uh, in uh, Arlington Heights. <coughs> I have a, I don't believe that when the TV, if the Bears are good enough to be on national TV, which is always questionable, you know, because they limit those games to teams that are worth watching. Uh, and so if the Bears are good enough uh, to be on national TV, when they do the, the, the scenes of the city, yeah, You know how they do that? I don't believe they'll be showing people frolicking in Arlington Heights. I got a feeling there'll be a lakefront shot, as though the Bears were still playing at Soldier Field. And then yeah. they'll do the shot of the Arlington Heights Stadium, which the dummies in uh, Arlington Heights will have financed for the Bears. Uh, and uh, But, yeah, so you're, I get your point. They'll still show the lakefront, as though the Bears are playing in Chicago. Well, it's, it's near. It'll be Chicago near. <laughs> Yes, Chicago. You know, Mayor Daly, when they were threatening Mayor Daly uh, with moving, he said he said that they couldn't be they, they couldn't be the Chicago Bears anymore. They had to be the Arlington Heights Bears. Yes. <laughs> and that uh, Mayor Daly was the real Mayor Daly, Richard J. Daly, not Baby Mayor Daly. You millennials remember Richard J. Daly, who ruled Chicago in the '60s uh, and the '70s when Monroe was a young man. It was young Monroe in those yes. days. Um, so yeah, uh, we'll see what I, my guess is they will go on these nights. There's nothing Lori Lightfoot could do. We'll be following this. Well, you know, and, and, and what, what they're looking at is, is the fact that other teams have left the cities and gone out to the outskirts. 
And also, I think they're looking at the Cubs, what the Richters have done with Wrigleyville. You know, Ricketts. They, the Ricketts, I mean, they, they, they've turned it into a, 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 a big cottage community. And the Bears could do that um, in Arlington Heights. Obviously, they can't do it in, in Soldier Field, although uh, in reality, the city of Chicago it's within walking distance. The, the loop is within walking distance. So those so interested can do that. Yeah, no, I, I uh, they could build their own little Wrigley Field. Again, though, the difference, obviously, you know this, is that the Chicago Cubs play 81 games a year and the Bears play uh, eight home games a year. So there's there's limitations right. uh, as to the, um, the impact a Bear Stadium would have. Uh, on for Arlington Heights in terms of generating revenue. But, well, except, but it, yeah, okay, no, but this is the thing is they, they build a domed stadium. Yeah. And then they could have events year-round. They, it doesn't have to just be, you know, they, uh, Mick Jagger could sing there at age 85. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so the thing about that, Arlington Heights, you'll be trying to get Mick Jagger to come sing at age 85. He'll be competing with the Rosemont Horizon. That's still there. They're competing with the United Center. That's still there. Uh, so, you know, whenever you subsidize these undertakings, just keep in mind other people are already subsidizing their undertakings. So you're all competing with one another. So it's not as great a deal uh, as you think, but you're right, Monroe. The p- potential is for year round, and I, my guess is the Bears would control that, not Arlington yeah. Heights. Yes, so the Bears would control it, and the Bears would get all the revenue. This is why yes. they'll do it. So I'm not sure what Arlington Heights gets out of this, except for the, the tax bill. But as I said, bragging rights, bragging rights, bragging rights. No, that's why. <laughs> That's why these cities hate to let it go because yeah. their their names are on it and and it's bragging rights and it, it's this this is a holdover from the old days. But there was a time when only big cities, important cities, could get teams, and so every city that was big or important or was becoming big or important, i.e., Tampa Tampa Bay, then you wanted a sports team because that would be an introduction to the idea that you were a, a, a game player in, 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 in the city, the whole city competition or something. By the way, I could just see little boys and girls in Arlington Heights bragging about the Bears being in Arlington Heights. Oh, my God, we have the worst offensive line in all of football. <laughs> last year, last week, folks, I think they gained – Fewer yards in a one game than any team in this century. It was pretty amazing, Monroe. I don't think they – I want to say it was 46 yeah, yards did, offensive. Okay, did. So that bragging rights not, is not really not bragging. One game. I oh. let's hope that it's a fluke. We'll see. Let's <laughs> well, hope that it was a fluke. There have been three games so far this year. If Doodle fouled them all, two have been utterly abysmal. The last Sunday game against the Browns and the first game was utterly abysmal when they lost to the uh, Los Angeles Rams. The only game uh, that okay. was bearable okay. was the game they won against Cincinnati. Yeah, so, okay. But, which okay. they tried to give away, by the way. I just want yeah. to point that out. They yeah, tried, right. please, right. Cincinnati, win this game. The thing is, the defense. <laughs> Let oh, the yeah. team down in the first game, and the office let the team the, the the team down in the third game. The defense did a great job for as long as they could, 
but they they got tired. So yeah, they like, it fell apart. <laughs> That's such an old story in the Bears. Arlington Heights, that's the story you're getting, Arlington Heights. They're going to go, oh, we're getting a professional football team. It it, it was the coaching. You know, for example, in in the game where um, Fields got sacked nine times. Yeah. uh, At some point, early on, on the second or third sack, or fourth sack maybe, they should have had some screen plays, which would slow down the linebackers. Or they wouldn't just rush in like it was uh, uh, the Easter time and the Easter eggs were there. Uh, they, they would have slowed them down. I just want to show how pathetic the Bears are. <laughs> Monroe Anderson, who never played football, as he just acknowledged, I didn't even played, watch football for the first time. Actually, I bench warmed in high school. Oh, okay, but <laughs> was a bench warmer in high school, spent <laughs> all of his time trying to pick up cheerleaders instead of watching the game. Uh <laughs> he knows more about offense than the people running the Chicago Bears. All right, let's leave the Bears for a while because I know we're going to be talking about this for a while, while while I watch Arlington Heights throw its property taxes at the Bears. And let's just talk for a while. Help me out here, oh, One other thing about Arlington Heights, though, before we go, okay? Okay. Uh, the Bears will still be the Chicago Bears out there. They're not going to be the Arlington Heights Bears. They're going to yes. be the Chicago Bears. Yeah. And as far as the rest of the world, almost most of America is concerned, um, Arlington Heights will become Chicago. So they're not going to get any 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 um, boasting rights out of it, not whether the team is winning or losing, because I, our, our son Scott, who has lived on the East Coast, on the West Coast, and he's peeved at the idea that, all these kids who lived in Schaumburg and Arlington Heights and Naperville, when they're any place outside of, of our area, they say they're from Chicago. They don't say they're from whatever suburb it is. Okay, we can go off. Move no, on. but that actually, just before we do that is a, I know many millennials, and that really irritates them, many millennials from Chicago. Right. Now, not being from Chicago, I'm not quite a, it, I don't like feel the same strong vibe, but I, I kind of get it. It's like, I don't understand. Help me out with this one, Monroe. So if I grew up, let's say, in Arlington Heights. Yes. And I would just, if someone asked me where I'm from, I would say, well, I'm from Arlington Heights. And they go, well, I never heard of it. Well, Arlington Heights is a community outside of Chicago. If I grew up in Schaumburg, if I grew up in Plainfield, if I grew up in uh, Wheeling or, you know, uh, or Wheaton, I would just say, if someone, I would, where I'm from. I'm not ashamed of where I'm from. Like if you, if you're from Wheaton, why don't you just say I'm from Wheaton? I don't get, I've never, that's part of the psyche. I just don't understand. So for instance, with me, it's hard to say where I'm from. Cause I grew, my family moved around a lot, but I settled in Evanston. I, people, where are you from? I'll just, I just to make it simple. I go, I'm from Evanston. And a lot of people, they don't know Evanston. What's Evanston? Well, that's the first town. It's, it's a suburb of Chicago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I would never say I'm from Chicago. First of all, I don't even want to be from Chicago. Look <laughs> what Chicago does. But I tell you what, at this point in time, I'd rather be from Chicago than Arlington Heights. Because at least <laughs> Chicago isn't dumb enough to throw millions of well, property tax dollars well, to the it, Bears. It, 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 uh, Mayor Lightfoot is now trying to um, oh, no. negotiate. Right. But, but, oh, it, God. but, but oh. it's not, it's not going to work. It's not going to work. Bears don't want to be in Chicago or no, life, but I'm just no. telling you that right they now. They don't want to be there. They don't want to be here. So there's nothing you can give them. They, they, they want to follow the money, and the money is in Arlington Heights. Yes. 
follow the money, get subsidized for a lousy product. So don't tell me socialism doesn't exist, ladies and gentlemen, in this country. It exists for rich people, like the people who own the Chicago Bears. Right. We have socialized football teams, Monroe, but not socialized medicine. Please explain to me this country. As press secretary, Mm -hmm. I was in a meeting uh, with the mayor, Mayor Sawyer, and um, the McCaskies about the Bears back then. And they they negotiate for every penny they can get. (laughs) Same thing with whites. I was in a meeting with whites, and white says – why, why, why do I own this team and um, give it all, give give the city all this publicity and not get anything out of it? Oh, you mean words? Words, words. The Blackhawks. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Didn't he own the um, White Sox too? No, no. You're thinking of Reinsdorf on the White Sox and the and Wirtz on the. Uh, the Wirtz and Reinsdorf cut a deal with the city, and right around the time you may have been press secretary, uh, yeah, for the United was, it, was, it was, yeah, right, exactly, right around that time, yeah. All right, uh, let's move on and help me understand this. Okay. Uh, this one's been on my mind for a while, um, so I've been following dutifully. We're sort of the sports related theme for today, <clears throat> following dutifully the reaction of players in the National Basketball Association regarding vaccination. And uh, let's say, oh, my goodness, there's uh, Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets, who like apparently, you know, he was the one who thought the world was flat. Uh, so he, he's he's a little uncertain about the vaccination. Uh, he's a little uncertain. He thinks there could be a conspiracy. There's Bradley Beal, of the Washington Wizards. He says he needs to do more research. Uh, like, I don't know what research he's at. What research, what more research must be done, Bradley Beal? Okay, the thing has been around for nine months or so. Monroe Anderson was one of the first to take it. I, the guy is the, he looks great. He's healthy. He's got a glow to his, and that LeBron, this is the one that really, LeBron, the great leader, who is the great leader of the NBA, has opinions of everything. And all of a sudden he's like, well, I don't want to kind of want to advise, I don't want to tell my uh, fellow NBA players uh, to take the vaccine. And uh, I was a little reluctant to take it myself. Monroe, please explain to me the hesitancy of these superstars to get something that you grabbed as soon as you could. Take it away, Monroe. Well, a couple of things. First of all, uh, these basketball players have spent all of their life um, playing basketball. I mean, instead, uh, Joyce, when Joyce was teaching at uh, Chicago State University, they would sometimes, she'd have jocks in her class. And she was very fussy about attendance. But she would get um, memos saying, well, John Jones will not be in for your class for the next three days because he got a game away, away from, or he has to practice or whatever. Uh, they don't get the education that a lot of people do because the emphasis is on them practicing and playing the sport. So that's one thing. So they, they don't necessarily learn critical thinking and stuff like that. Okay. And the other part of it is that um, they're looking out for each other. I, I think LeBron didn't want to just come out and say, uh, this is wrong because of, of Kylie and these other guys. 
Kyrie, uh, yeah. Kyrie and, and these other guys um, taking their stance, and he didn't want to go against them. They showed them up too much, you know, because these guys, they never know. As, mu- as much as these jocks move around, you never know who's going to be your teammate hmm. from one year to the next. And so you don't want to be too critical of them. It's, yeah. a, it's a fraternity. Yeah. Uh, that's that's probably what's going on. Although I'm sure he wouldn't do it if it was something that really mattered to him. Right. Y- you know, it, but like, I don't understand why. Yeah. Because these guys are in each other's faces. I mean, this is close contact. It's not. I mean, if 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 it was bocce ball, then I could understand them having that position. But this is close contact, a close contact sport where you you're on top of each other for the the entire game for all practical purposes. So if 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 that person is does have covid then um if you don't have the vaccination you have a good chance of getting it. Now because maybe um, LeBron has it he's not worried. <laughs> yeah, I um uh I I think there's a larger um uh story here and this uh uh and the story is this the um i find this um it's kind of hard to understand for me but um the reluctance of players to uh get the vaccination is very similar to just the general reluctance of people in this country to get the vaccination and it's disturbing on many levels but one level uh, that i find disturbing is that I think it's centered to a larger degree or rooted in a larger degree in a distrust of government. And if the government says uh, that you should do something, the instinctive reaction is to not want to do it. And I can understand that reaction. We just, uh, I was just expressing something similar. I was talking about Arlington Heights. Arlington Heights is going to tell its residents that this is a great deal for them without really coming through. And I'm sure if they're anything like Chicago and telling them the truth about TIFF's work and how they impact property taxes. So already there's a distrust. You know, it's just when government bamboozles you and tells you that the sun is going up, when you see that it's going down, you get there's a distrust in them. Uh, so there's some of these same basketball players, Monroe, who won't trust the government when it says you need this vaccination will turn around and any like Rasputin like health advisor who tells them to take these vitamin pills that haven't been approved by anyone. Do you get what I'm saying? They'll take them. Well, you know, I mean, but OK, one case in point, though, ninety percent of the players are vaccinated. That is true. Valid so these, point. The, the, yeah. yeah. So these are the, these are the holdouts. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And why they're the holdouts, I have no idea. It it could be yeah. Uh, it, it it could be because they are just um, like the MAGA people. Just insane. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always that. Uh, yeah. Kyrie Irving, uh, who uh, has espoused all kinds of uh, interesting uh, yeah, the Earth observations. Is the earth is flat. He may be heading into MAGA country in his uh, own way. And uh, I think there's some point at uh, some point where like celebrities just sort of go toward uh, MAGA country. Uh, we saw we talked about this a lot last year with Kanye West when he was flirting with Trump. Yeah, it was just like hidden in MAGA country. Uh, look out, uh, Dixon Romeo. The solution is if you don't get the vaccination, you don't get to play. You can go home and yeah. do something else with your life. 
but um, you can't be endangering the other players because of what you believe. You know what? Religion has nothing to do with that's that's really a fake, a false flag. I, I, I want to raise this before we bring Dixon on, and maybe he can join in and give us his perspective of this. But I've just uh, been re- reliving the life of Muhammad Ali Monroe yeah. by watching obsessively the PBS special. Yeah. Muhammad Ali absolutely gave up everything that he had uh, to um, when he refused to be inducted uh, into the army. And he said it was against his religious beliefs to uh, be, go in the army. And furthermore, he said it, against, it was his moral principle to fight in the Vietnam War. And nothing, nothing against Vietnam, Vietnamese. Yeah, no, no, no Vietnamese ever called him a nigger. That's yes. That was one of his quotes, yeah. That's what his quote said. Blew everybody's yeah. mind when he said it. Uh, and you remember in Defy Bloods, they showed the, the GIs listening to Ali talking about that, if you remember that scene in that movie. Yeah. So... Uh, so here's a very principled stand that a man took against a war, an unholy war. And you right. got to applaud him for that. And, and now I see brave. Yeah. So and so some basketball players today are like trying to liken themselves to Ali. Well, I'll give up my year in the NBA and my not to get the vaccine. I'm like, I don't see the analogy. I mean, yes, you're threatening to. Go without uh, that's, money for a year. That's because they missed the critical thinking class. <laughs> they were too busy playing basketball. So they were not taught the critical thinking or logic. You know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, they get all kind of shots. I mean, it's not like they don't. They they aren't accepting. I mean, and they're required to get these shots. They were required to get shots when they were in kindergarten. They require and, and and they take care of their bodies. They have to take care of their body, and so they you know they do special diets to help them. You do all this stuff, and then you get to to something that will actually save their lives or keep them out of the hospital on a ventilator, and they're going, oh, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't know. More research. Right, right. I'm going to go read the New England Journal of Medicine tonight. I'll be up all night reading it. Exactly. Because I love homework. <laughs> all right. Let's bring in uh, Dixon Romeo. Uh, he's here mainly to talk about the Obama Center. But, you know, the man's got a lot of opinions, Monroe. Last time he was on the show, he ventured a lot of opinions and a lot of things. I'm going to throw him in the hot seat with this one. No, that's what I love about this young young generation right now is they're activists and they do have a lot of opinions. Um, we we had a couple of generations that weren't like that at all. I don't know what was going on with that. Well, the baby boomer generation, as I said on the show many times, is utterly freaking worthless. I've said this. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. Their greatest contribution to the United States of America was Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, and Rahm Emanuel. That, what, think about that. <laughs> Millennials. I'm not sure what he thought because I think that's great, great. <laughs> you got out of our generation. You got the um, fr- um, free speech movement, the okay. anti-war movement, the okay. Black Power movement, okay. and drum roll, the um, 
free sex movement. <laughs> okay. My mom was a big practitioner of that, man. Oh my God. We'll say that for another, we'll say that for another podcast. Uh, all right. We'll, we'll hold back Monroe on a, a rip roaring debate about the worthlessness of the baby boomer generation. I concede every, the, the, those points you made, but once oh, the draft so was over, they went to yelling from, from the other floor, women's liberation. Yes. Okay. Women's liberation. <laughs> all right. Uh, so Dixon, before we start talking Obama center, first of all, uh, welcome back to the show. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, your thoughts in general on the hesitancy of many uh, celebrities uh, to get vaccinated. Go ahead. Uh, so well, thanks for having me, Ben. I really appreciate it. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I got my vaccination as soon as I could possibly get it. Um, you know, I'm out in the community a lot. And so I'm around a lot of seniors. I'm around my family. I'm around a lot of folks who, you know, I, if it makes them safer, I wanted to get it. Um, I think, okay, so my initial take is I think it's pretty silly, right? Like, I think they should take it. These are people who have access to, like, the top medical <laughs> folks all the time, right? They they break their leg, you know, break a hip, pull an ACL, and they're back on the court in, like, three months sometimes, right? Um, so they, they get a lot of medical care, so it's kind of silly. But I do think... Um, this anti-vaccine movement is rooted in, I think, like a lack of public education around the vaccine and around, and I think in certain communities in particular, we're kind of years behind eight ball. Like there's been anti-vaccine stuff that I've been seeing, you know, um, for, for years, right? And so now that we're in, you know, the biggest health epidemic we've been in our lifetime, um, you know, we're behind eight ball trying to get folks to like get off of that anti-vax tip. So I think some folks are like, you know, just being anti-vax just to be it. But I think some folks, it's a deeply, uh, unfortunately, deeply held uh, belief that we got to help folks pull them out of, you know? Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, Monroe, I hadn't thought about that, but that's a really good point. Mis- no. And they've been miseducated. They've been lied to about there's been a campaign an anti-vax campaign full stock full of lies on social media yeah yeah i mean i um you know i have an older sister who's autistic right and i saw some stuff years ago that said you know vaccines make folks autistic right um and that's you know people were sharing that on facebook um and you know it made me upset and i you know i, I messaged the guy and i you know i talked to him uh, a little less nice than I do on the radio, but, um, you know, and, and I got them to kind of get there, but I think, um, you know, for me, someone who works with community a lot, like, you know, I've never been able to help someone see a different side of opinion by shaming them. Like it just doesn't work. Um, you, you gotta meet folks where they're at and then walk them towards, uh, the, the right thing. Um, and so that's, that's, that's my thing. And so I think the public health narrative, it's kind of like, you know, well, we'd be done with COVID if we weren't for the anti-vaxxers. I don't think that's necessarily true, right? Like the government has failed us on COVID and those folks need to take the vaccine, right? Like it's both. Oh. Uh, um, by the way, I just wrote a, it's funny you should say that. I just wrote a, uh, I talk about this all the time. I just wrote a newsletter piece about this for the reader, uh, Dixon, about shaming. And I, shame, shame on me. I'm one of the world's biggest shamers, as you probably know. Yes. Uh, and I'm always shaming. I'm like, I still, stop, I haven't stopped shaming Chicago voters for electing Rom in 2011, okay? We're going to be talking about that with Obama. Uh, we'll get into Obama. That, don't forget, Dixon's here to talk Obama. But, uh, you know, Obama came, and then in 2015, Obama came to, 
to town, did the commercials for ROM, and boom, repeat. Let's repeat this one. Uh, so I, I struggle with this, shame-shaming voters. And you're right. Every millennial comes on the show and tells me, Ben, it doesn't work. People don't like to be shamed. You don't like to be shamed. You don't like when people tell you you did something wrong, you're really stupid, uh, you know, go live with the consequences. It's not an effective tool of communication. I get it, Dixon, but I also know it's very human mm-hmm. impulse not mm-hmm. to go, oh, Mm-hmm. Well, you know, like when you raise a kid, your kid, you tell your kid, don't do X, Y, Z. The kid does it. And then X, Y, Z happens. You go, there are consequences in the universe when you do the things that you know you shouldn't do, but you do them anyway. So you understand what I'm saying, Dixon? You got the yeah. impulse. Yeah, yeah it's, it, it's tough, right? And I think, um, I mean, my just observation, right, from the beginning of the pandemic, right, like I think the, you know, local and federal and local state and federal government were sending mixed messages right about what's going on right because the initial message with the mask was like look whether you get symptoms or not you have to wear it because doing this protects everyone and then when it came to vaccines it's like okay if you get your vaccine you can do what you want we took it from communal and made it back individual again when we when we should have kept it at communal because that's what it's about right like me getting covid you know, I'm 27, right? I'm relatively healthy. I'm not, you know, I was a little a little fitter in college than I am now, but right, you know, nine times out of 10, if I got COVID, I would be okay, right? But it's not about me getting the vaccine. It's literally not about me, right? Um, it, the more, the less, the more people have it, the, you know, the less, it will, you know, the less devastating the spread is and how it affects folks and it calms it down, right? Like that's what we were told, right? And so that's, I think that should have been the message. And, and, and you, you, you won't get more variants. Exactly. That's what they, the more virus is out yeah. there, the more chances it has to mutate again. Yeah. All right. So uh, an, enough talking about things that we all agree on. Let's talk about something that may uh, we not may not all agree on. I don't know. Maybe we will. And uh, this has to do with the Obama Center uh, coming to Chicago, coming to Jackson Park. Uh, the groundbreaking ceremony was yesterday. Barack Obama was there. Michelle Obama was there. Uh, J.B. Pritzker was there. Mayor Lori Lightfoot was there. And they had silver shovels. Silver shovels. That's hard for me to say, uh, Dixon. Silver shovels. And they dug that little piece of earth. That's the ceremony of breaking the earth. And anybody old enough to remember, it's kind of an inappropriate, uh, unfortunate symbol, silver shovel. That was the name of a federal probe uh, into corruption in the city of Chicago back in the 90s. And it was in city. North Wandale. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Very good for knowing. I give you a lot of credit for knowing that, Dixon. Uh, they they created a huge dump in the middle of North Wandale. They thought this was a good idea, and then they left the garbage there. This is how much people don't care about North Lawndale, uh, Dixon. So I don't know. I don't think you should use silver shovels for anything in the city of Chicago anymore. Uh, Dixon was one of the people in Chicago. What are you suggesting? Not- we use spades instead. Just use a shovel. <laughs> just just an old shovel, okay? Just get some old shovel, use the shovel. It doesn't have to be silver, okay? Um, so, Dixon, you were one of the people protesting uh, the Obama Center the, at the groundbreaking ceremony, et cetera, and folks probably heard him on the TV and radio because uh, he, he made the rounds. So, in general, let's just start from the top. Uh, what are your objections? Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, and they've been saying protest, but, you know, we're not against the center. So I don't know if protest is the right word, but we definitely were out there yesterday. Um, here's the deal, right? Since the center was announced, UIC did a study since 2015. We've seen price and rent increase in every neighborhood surrounding the center. High Park, Woodlawn, Washington Park, 
Greater Grand Crossing, South Shore, right? The these are we're talking about with the exception of High Park, right? Predominantly black communities. They've been black since Obama was, you know, my age and he was here, right? These for a long time residents, these are communities that are dealing with housing issues, historically, crime, um, a bunch of different things. And so we're not against the center, right? But these folks were good enough to vote for him to go to Springfield. They were good enough to vote for him to go to Senate. They were good enough to send him to the White House. The community should be able to stay and benefit from what happens with the center, right? Um, and then with that, in order to make that happen, we have to have a lot of really robust housing protections set aside for affordable and public housing uh, and really, really robust city programs to make that happen, right? So our fight isn't with the Obamas or the center, it's with the city of Chicago, right? Like the mayor has a responsibility if you're bringing a development into a neighborhood to make sure folks can stay and benefit from it. It's for the community, put the stuff in writing and do the things in place to make it be for the community, right? Um, this started back in 2015 when the center was allowed. So it's not like we're Johnny come lately. We're showing up the day it's, it's going to break ground talking about this. We've been talking about this since 2015 and we want the coalition one uh, Woodlawn housing preservation ordinance, which has protections for renters. Some, not all we want it, but at least some protections for renters. This was 2020. Um, programs for long-term homeowners to get money from the city to rehab their homes and uh, set aside for affordable lots, um, city-owned lots to be developed affordably so there's affordable housing at low rates so that, you know, working-class folks who make the median income in Woodlawn and South Shore, which is around 25, 26, you know, depending on what study you look on, what year, $1,000 can afford it, right? Um, the city's been dragging its feet. It's been a year since that ordinance, and we haven't seen those 52 lots set aside, despite the fact that we've proposed to them where we want them to be, right? And then South Shore, uh, where I live, has no protections whatsoever, right? Um, and we were told by the, the alderman that, you know, Woodlawn and South Shore is different. You have different demographics. Well, South Shore is the number one eviction neighborhood in the county. It's been that way for a long time. It was that way in 2019. It's that way right now in 2021 in terms of eviction filings. And then you can all look that up, right? Where it's a neighborhood of 77% of the units in South Shore are renter occupied, right? So it's a neighborhood full of renters, right? And there's a low stock of homes. And if you look at the fifth and seventh ward, which comprises a, a, a nice chunk, most of South Shore, um, there are like 950 properties that are behind on their property taxes. If you look at so almost 1,000 folks, if the county was doing the tax sales and not because of the pandemic, they would be eligible for their homes to be sold um, up from under them, right? Their homes or their condos. So, you know, the demographic, this is a black neighborhood. There are some, there's nice places, there are nice, pot, there are, uh, I, won't, I won't say nice because it's all nice, but I think there are some wealthier pockets of the neighborhood for sure that are homeowners. But the majority of folks, the median income is like 26K, right? So the majority of folks do not make a lot of money, right? And so they deserve their protections five years ago, um, but we're still, we're working, we still haven't had them. It's 2021. All right. So what specific protections uh, would you like to see in place for South Shore uh, and the larger community? Yeah, so I mean, we're working with, like always, like, you know, I'm a, I'm a resident, I'm also an organizer, right? We are working, with, we don't just, I don't just come in a room and say, yo, mm, here's what Dixon thinks, here's my 20 things, right? Like, we work with folks and come up with them, we do research, right? We talk to researchers, we do the whole thing. And so we're having town halls where we're sitting and talking with folks once tomorrow, virtually, it's on Zoom. You can go to bit.ly slash C-B-A-S-S, all that's capital, then H-O-R-E, 
uh, lowercase on the register and be on there. And then we're having one in person at Parkside Community Academy, um, 6938 South uh, East End from 2 to 5, and that's Sunday. Um, And so what we're going to do, but I think I will say, Ben, a lot of the stuff that's in the Woodlawn Ordinance um, does would probably apply to South Shore, right? Like, and should have been, which is why it should have been included in the original ordinance. Like, South Shore does not have as many vacant lots, city-owned vacant lots that Woodlawn does, but there are some. And so that small few, they should be developed for affordable housing. If we know this center, the rent is going to keep increasing, right? We do, we know 77% of folks are renters in South Shore, right? So we write to first refusal, which lets renters know if someone's trying to sell the building, who's trying to buy it. They can work with their neighbors to try and come together and buy it. They can work with a nonprofit to try and come in and buy it. They can try and make it a co-op. Right? Like That's something that... Um, you know, over half of folks in South Shore would apply for, right? Like um, programs for long-term homeowners who've been there five years or longer to get $20,000 to rehab their home, that definitely would apply to South Shore, right? So a lot of this, most of, I would say like 80% to 90% of stuff in the Woodlawn Ordinance should definitely be in the South Shore Ordinance, but I think we need more, right? Like this is a neighborhood, we've got more renters and more homeowners than Woodlawn does, right? So we need more protections, not less. Um, And it should have happened, you know, two years ago, not two years later, but that's where we're at. Well, I'll tie two issues together and get your reaction to this. Uh, we at the before you came on the show, we were talking about uh, that Arlington Heights is gearing up uh, to uh, bring the Bears and the Chicago Bears uh, to Arlington Heights, and they're going to spend a lot of money on property taxes. In my humble opinion, before it's all over, because I assume they're going to finance it with a TIF deal, uh, and that'll be their contribution to the Chicago Bears. So they're going to make a contribution, uh, Dixon, of, of millions and millions of dollars to a, a very wealthy professional football team uh, to get it to go to Arlington Heights. So my, this is my suggestion, which of course will never happen because <laughs> I'm suggesting it. But uh, okay. City of Chicago, you could do the same thing for residents of South Shore and Woodlawn. Uh, and th- th- this is it. You put a freeze on assessments on property for longtime residents in that area. If you're telling me you have a resident who's uh, media, who's getting about ma- makes about thirty thousand dollars and was able to purchase a house twenty years ago or thirty years ago, what have you, uh, Dixon, uh, that person's ability to pay a property tax is not is is not. Um, that person will not be able to afford a rising property tax that is caused by the gentrification that's spurred by the Obama Center development. So if you want to enable people, longtime property owners, to live in the area, then you should give them, those property owners, uh, a, a break, and they should be paying taxes on a home assessed at a price they can afford. If you're going to give a tax break to the wealthiest football team, or tax handout to the wealthiest football team to get them to move down the night so it can make even more millions of dollars than they already make, then why don't you give a tax break to uh, working people in South Shore and Woodlawn, et cetera, and so forth, so they can stay in their homes uh, now that their neighborhood is getting a jolt of economic development, courtesy of the Obamas and the University of Chicago. Your thoughts on that proposal? Uh, I think I think the spirit of it makes sense. I think I would... I push it a little further. Right? I think we should be the city should be doing more to help its current residents, and we should be actually taxing. Um, so it's not like we should get the same deal that the, these big corporations or big entities get. I think they should get a different deal, and we should get the deal that they usually get. Um, that's that's the pushback I would give you. I think look right when we early on when we knew the center was coming, um, we did our research. Right, you can look at across the nation, across the city, you can look across historically. Right. 
whether it's sports stadiums, whether it's huge mega developments with like thousand plus units, whether it's presidential centers, whether it's like revamped, like, uh, you know, um, what's the 606, like a trailway or, you know, bridgeway. Um, these all, all these things to varying degrees have the same effect on when you do them in poor working class communities, which is they, 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 they exponentially shoot up the price, right? So uh, nationwide, like home values have gone up more or less sans the Great Depression and like, you know, sans the, um, the Great Recession. Everything's been trending up, right? Like uh, you know, our economy has trended up historically, right? But when this happens in poorer neighborhoods, when things rapidly jump because the price is so low, it's easier for folks to, that have this capital to buy, right? Then they, they then they flip it. They flip it. Sometimes they'll sell it amongst each other to to inflate the price, and they sell it. Right? It's a bigger profit. You make more money developing in poorer neighborhoods than you do in richer neighborhoods because it's the starting cost is just so much lower, right? So the the, the the economics of it is the same whether it's the bears, whether it's whatever. It's the thing with the Obama Center is that, you know, he he is one of the most famous people in the history of the world. Right. And he also is from Chicago. Right. And he is the first black president. Like there's a lot of big things with this. And it is going to if we think for a second that what happened in New York with the Barclays Center or what happened in New York with the Clinton, you know, presidential stuff, what happened. And, you know, if when you look at the plan of transformation areas that used to be public housing, right, when they did development there, how it changed those neighborhoods and they displaced folks. I, I, I love South Shore. I love Woodlawn. I think folks there are incredible. I don't think we're that exceptional and that we're any different than any other folk, any other per- person who's had to deal with this, right? This is going to shoot their prices up. And so I think at a certain point, we have to get out of this austerity po- politics mindset where we give these huge, huge deals to folks for a dollar. And then, you know, <laughs> you know us working class folks got to pay pay for it on the back end in addition to having to pay to get that moving van because we can't afford to stay there anymore right um you know i think that the, the, the dynamic they give us is you get vacant lots or you get moving vans right like we're either giving you nothing or we're giving you everything all at once in a way that you can't benefit and we got to change that all right and i'm going to throw this one at you uh and you're probably going to say I'm, I'm jaded and cynical when i say this uh and then i'm going to ask monroe to weigh in on his thoughts on this one but the, my observation uh, for all after all these years in the city of Chicago, having moved here in '81, is that the purpose of these programs is to move the people out. And I, Dixon, you're probably gonna, I don't know if you're going to agree with me or disagree with me. Well, you, you get your chance, but I just believe they don't want the people of Woodlawn to stick around. The whole point of the program is to move them out. Just like the whole point of the pro, of subsidizing the loop was to move, like the neighborhoods gentrify the neighborhoods spreading out further west and further south into bronzeville and chinatown etc and so forth i've watched this for 40 years uh dixon i watch how the city spends its economic development dollars and when they gentrify a neighborhood and move poor people out they call it economic development Mm -hmm. they call it an investment in chicago uh, if you give a tax break if you give a subsidy to a poor person they call it a handout you know what I mean? It's just the, even in the phraseology of it, it's like one is good for the city and the other is bad for the city. And they even don't take the handout. You'll be better off without it. Like the, the I've never heard anybody say to the bears, don't take the handout from Arlington Heights because it'll uh, ruin, it'll spoil you and you won't be as morally strong as you need to be. I never heard that. So 
my cynical and jaded observation is they want the very displacement that you just talked about to occur. Well, do you think I'm being too cynical and too jaded? Uh, Monroe, it's only Monroe wanted to go. I, I have a thought, but I'll let Monroe go. Then I'll let go. Uh, Monroe, you go first. Go. Ben, as you know, I've had this theory at least for 25 years when Mayor uh, Richard M. Daly was, was in, was that there was this plot to turn Chicago into Paris. And by that, I mean, if, if, if you ever been to Paris, it's the middle class and the rich that actually live in the city and are surrounded by these poor suburbs where all the poor people are. But it's you can't you can't you can't be making the equivalent of twenty five thousand a year in Paris and afford to live there nowadays. So you, you're going to be in one of those suburbs. So that's the plan. On the other hand, okay, um, I've lived in. Lincoln Park, the west end of a near DePaul University, since um, 76. When I bought my house back then, the property taxes were 1400 a, a year. Now they're 22000 a year. Um, I, I bought my house back then for 69000 Now it's worth more than a million. Mm-hmm. My thing is, but I, th- I, I like the idea of freezing the taxes on those people that are making $26,000 a year and also um, giving them, um, uh, giving them a, a, um, money to improve their property and letting them hold on to it. If the house that they bought for maybe $40,000 10 years ago, Ten years from now, they'll be selling selling it for four hundred thousand or something. I mean, they can for the property owners. There, there is money that can be made if they are helped out by government. As renters are just screwed. Period. I mean, that's the problem with renting is that um, the economy dictates where you can live, and it's not going to. That part's not going to change. But there are steps that can be taken where these folks who bought their houses some time ago can get paid enough money if they can hang on to them as the prices keep increasing to where they can they can have enough money where they can move into a, a nice neighborhood with a new house at some point in the future. I, I, so I think, so two things, right? So to Ben's, I'm going to address what Ben asked, then what Moreau's saying, right? So Ben, to your point about like, is this, is this um, intentional? I think on, in regards to the city of Chicago, um, whether it's Lori Lightfoot or whether it's Rahm Emanuel, I do think it's intentional, right? Um, you don't close 50 schools in neighborhoods where you want people to stay. Um, You know, you don't um, not actually address the root cause of crime, which is poverty in neighborhoods where you want people to stay. Um, And you don't allow these big, you know, you don't allow, you know, one of the most famous people in the history of the world to have a museum down, you know, next to a golf course, next to water where poor black, poor and working class black folks live and expect them to be able to stay without a plan. Right. And that's what the city of Chicago is doing. Right. And so it's not, I'm not, again, it's not, I don't think I'm not putting this on the Obamas, but I am going to put on the city of Chicago on Lori Lightfoot, on Rahm Emanuel, right. These folks that, that I think I agree that is intentional. Um, and I think it would be, 
sophomoric of anyone to say otherwise, if you look at any historical data, any current practices, um, and even the rhetoric, right? Um, the fact that the center is able to break ground, you know, after six years, and the, you know, what folks are saying is like, finally, we can do this, right? But what about the affordable housing in Woodlawn, right? <laughs> We've been talking about that for six years. When are we going to get that, right? Um, one of the members of the coalition, Michelle Williams, she says, you know, there's no reason that she's, she's lived in the, Chicago her whole life, right? And she's talking about why can I look down 63rd Street and see Cottage from, from Cornell, right? Like that's, that's a problem. Um, and that's been that way for a very long time. It wasn't always. I think, Monroe, to your point, if you look at that UIC study, it yeah. showed that a lot of the homeowners um, are struggling to pay their mortgage. Right. And so I think a key piece of this that gets lost, and I've, talk, I've talked to some folks um, who, that's, that's their argument. You say, well, what about the homeowners? Like, well, one is that's a minority of the community. I'm not saying that, because we are fighting for homeowners. My mom's a homeowner in South Shore. Right. My stepmother is a homeowner in South Shore. Um, I, you know, property taxes are high. I want them to be able to stay. But um, most of those folks almost have, based on this study, when we look at the area surrounding the center, are struggling to maintain their homes. Right. So when you say get them to hold on, it's like um, we want we want the displacement machine to work in all the ways that benefit us with none of the negatives. And that's not how it works. Right. You, you were lucky and or fortunate to be able to keep your home, but a lot of folks who, you know, lived over by DePaul, right, in the 70s were not, right? And that's part of the design, right? Like, oh, yeah, I, no, there's, there's a street that's a five-minute walk from me, Maud Street, mm-hmm. and it was all black when I moved on mm-hmm. 76. Uh, about 10 years ago, the Tribune did a piece on the last black family, live on Moss Street. Mm. And this particular black family, their kids were harassed by the the newcomers, the white people that had moved in. Their kids were harassed and finally they were chased out of there. So, no, that's how, that's that's a reality. So the thing is to figure out how to help them be able to pay for their house and, and stay around at some point the, there's a possibility, a good possibility, because that's a, 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 an ideal location, that the homeowners there now, not you, but a lot of the homeowners, you're going to do fine. Uh, <laughs> but a lot of the homeowners at some point will will get too expensive for them to live there. But and if it gets to a point where uh, they make tenfold of what they paid, that's okay. I, 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 I think Monroe, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back on that. That's okay. Yeah, because right. I think the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Because I think here's the thing, right? Um, if you let's say we said, you know what, on every vacant lot in South Shore, we're gonna build public housing or affordable housing. We're gonna have all these. T- we're gonna add tenants' rights. We're going to. Um, Every person that lives, we're going to give free, more programs in the schools to make them sustainable community schools. Like we're going to throw everything we've got, every tool that the city of Chicago has to making sure that poor folks can stay in South Shore. You know what will happen to the value of people's homes next to the center? They're going to go up the next year anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> that is because remember, historically, it's going to go up. Yeah. Like that's, that's how capitalism works. It is right. going to go up. Right. Well, so that, my thing is... Yeah. How do we make it go up in a way that's gradual, where homeowners can keep their value, 
condo owners can keep their value and renters and anyone else is able to stay instead of doing these wild jumps where one day your place is worth 100000 and you wake up and it's worth 300000 I'll tell you this, Monroe, they're building condos right now. You can go on Chicago Cranes and look it up. On 78th and South Shore, I don't know if you've ever been down there. It's, you know, by Rainbow Beach. Yeah. They're selling them for $800,000. Yeah, because that's, that's almost, some of them are actually literally on the lake. No, well, they're, they're far away, but I'm saying if, if it's eight hundred. But it, but remember South Shore, the whole neighbor, half of the neighborhood is next to the water. Yeah. Even if, even if you're even if you're on Jeffrey, you're four, five, six, seven blocks right. away from the water. Right. Right. So if they cost eight hundred thousand dollars on seventy eighth and South Shore, what's the price going to be when they start renovating condos on seventy first Street or on sixty seventh Street? Right. Right. We have to be honest about these jumps in the price. You you cannot afford an eight hundred thousand dollar condo on t- on median income of twenty six k. You can have a great job and make one hundred twenty k. And you right. cannot afford an $800,000 condo. Right. So what we're talking about here is like without these protections, it's the wild, wild west. It's not a gradual development plan where you see kids say, you know, when I grew up, when I was born, me and my mom had an apartment on, on, on 71st and, and, you know, Oglesby or something, right, or, 60, or 67th in Oglesby. And then, you know, my mom was able to get a program and now she works at the Obama Center. Right. And then I was able to go to public school. Maybe I went to private school. Right. Or wherever. Right. And then I was able to go to college and I'm coming back and I have a nice job. where I'm making two hundred thousand dollars a year. That doesn't happen if there are no guardrails in place. What you get is I woke up one day and my my rent went from a thousand dollars and I looked up. It was fifteen hundred dollars and yeah. we had to move. And so I left that school that I was going to that was getting resources because it's next to the Obama Center. High Park Academy is right across the street from the Obama Center. Park Shore Apartments is across the street from the Obama Center in Woodlawn. Affordable housing. Um, I, we talk, I talked to those residents yesterday. I talked to them before, right? And a lot of them know the work. They're supporting them. I'm, I'm more, more than a lot, almost all <laughs> are supporting what we're doing because they know, they understand what it means to live across the street from that. Yeah. Right? So I think uh, we, we want, um, we have to get, I'll, I'll tie this back to the beginning, what we talked about with the messaging around the vaccines, right? We have to stop making community development about individual interests because it's about the community, right? So yeah, if you're a homeowner and you think I'm gonna live close to the Obama Center, I can make some money off of this. Yeah. This is gonna help me send my kid to college. That's a good thing. But what are we doing to get, keep maintain what you have, let it grow at a, at a rate that's reasonable, and make sure everybody else can stay and benefit, right? Why are we sacrifice? We shouldn't have to sacrifice seventy seven percent of the neighborhood because we hope that maybe you know two thirds or a fourth of the folks who own homes are going to be able to sell them and then move. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. just that's a bad plan. To well, Dixon, I, I got to say the only way it would help you financially your son or daughter's uh, college education is if you sold the home. Right. In other exactly. words, that's the exactly. only benefit yeah. you would right. accrue. Exactly. And, and Monroe and I have talked about this, about his place, and, and uh, I kid him. I go, well, that's your uh, nest egg. You right. know, if you ever, if you ever sell yeah. that, yeah, that's your nest egg, Monroe, right. you enjoy. And, uh, and okay, let me, I got a couple of points I, 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 I would like to discuss here. First of all, um, when I was covering City Hall when Harold Washington first became mayor. I was at the Tribune. I was covering City Hall. I had a talk with um, Bill Ware, who was uh, Mayor Washington's first chief of staff. 
And he told me uh, back then, this is in the 80s, late, late 80s, He's early 80s, sorry, early 80s. He, he, tells, he told me Chicago back then is the only city in the world where people, where, uh, yeah, where people, poor people, live on some of the most valuable land in the city. And that's lakefront property, you know, whether it's four blocks away or on the water, whatever, it's lakefront property. And the other, the other valuable property is if it's cl- close to uh, a public transit um, exit or, or inner, you know, subway. Um, those are very, uh, very profitable, expensive, desirable locations. So you can't control that. And, 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 and knowing the history of Chicago, at one point, um, those areas where black folks live were, were uh, totally segregated. It was the only place that we could live. It was the black belt, and it, it was tenements that had been returned for one reason or another. So I think it's, 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 it's noble, it's idealistic, to um, want to live there. But the reality is that as things change, there's, there's a move back to the city now. People have come to realize that you're spending too much of your life sitting in a car trying to get back and forth to work, when if you live in certain places, you can get there very easily. So it's, the reality is that um, communities, as we now know them, will change. Uh, I think, um, Dan, I'm going to jump in. I think, Monroe, I think um, uh, my response to that is that um, I think when you look at the history of Black folks in this country, I think when you look at the history of Black folks in Chicago, we've seen that if folks we can, if we want to, and if we're working with others, we can change what the reality of our situations are, right? There was a period in time in this country where me and you, Monroe, we wouldn't be on the show with Ben. We couldn't vote, couldn't own property. We could, you know, we couldn't be the president, you know, we couldn't be the president of the United States, right? And that's possible, right? I think um, we have to really there's a quote, I can't remember who said it, right? But it's like, I think it was Charlene Grace. I read something. She, she was talking about, you know, uh, you know, lawyers can, you know, help you figure out how to move around the edges of what's possible, but organizing in that community where it changes what's possible, right? And that's what we're doing, right? Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you, Monroe, that I think if we win, if we win everything we ask for, as all 100% of folks will be able to stay in South Shore. Probably not, not in the next five years. Right. But if, if we can help 80%, 70%, that's worth the effort to me. Um, and I think we have to start fighting back to change the reality of what we're seeing that's unjust in our country and our city and not letting it happen, right? Like, you know, I thank God every day, right, that um, civil rights leaders decided, you know what, yeah, we're going to actually change this. This is, this is the reality, but it's, we're going to make it different, right? I, I th- I'm glad that you, when you talk about those movements that, you know, your, your generation and folks are a part of, I'm really glad that there was a movement for folks to 
you know, be able to express their sexuality, to be able to express that. I'm glad there was a movement in this country to talk about, hey, marijuana, like we should legalize marijuana. You know, it should be a thing. You know, there have been t- plenty of movements. And I think in Chicago, I've seen in my time being around, I've seen folks go on hunger strikes to stop school closures. Right. I've seen folks make the city deny permits to metal shredders on the southeast side. Right. I've seen folks uh, with little money in their accounts, you know, run progressive campaigns and win. Right. I've seen people fight for rent control. I've seen people fight to stop gun violence. Right. Like we are doing that work and get in there. And I can't for a second think that just because that's how it's been, that's how it's going to be. Right. Like that's the whole point of us doing this work. All right. That's a great point, uh, Dixon. So I want to ask you this question. Uh, you talk about uh, trying to force the city uh, to uh, make these changes to protect uh, longtime homeowners uh, in the area around the Obama Center. Uh, do you have any allies in city right now who are like either working for the the administration in the city council uh, in a position of political power that are with you on this or are we very at the early stages where pretty much everyone is either against you on this or looking the other way and pretending it doesn't exist i mean i think uh you know historically when you look at the, the work this coalition has done since 2015 all the women jeanette taylor is by far the the people's champ on this um she was the only older person that fought to have the CBA apply to her ward. Um, I, I, I hope, you know, that Leslie Harrison and Greg Mitchell and Lori Lightfoot, you know, want to be a people's champs on this. And once we come up with some demands, come to the table. But as of today, like in terms of what folks have done, when all the women Taylor said she was supporting the CBA, she supported the CBA and there are protections for folks in Woodlawn. It's not everything we wanted, but she held the line on that. Um, and I think across in, in city council, you know, I think there are tons of supporters of working class and poor folks fighting gentrification. I think, you know, Alderman Cicho Lopez, you know, Rosanna Rodriguez Sanchez, like all these, all these folks, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, like all these Aldermen, La Spada, you know, all these, you know, Alderman Vasquez, Maria, all the all the UWF folks are always supporting the, the people and supporting the movement. So, um, I, you know, definitely those folks. Well, it's, uh, and, I, and I'm not saying that your your struggle isn't righteous. I, I, I you know, I mean, when I when I was your age, I would be weird. I, I'd be of the same mind that you are now. But having, having lived a while and having seen how reality works, um, you're going against the tide. Yeah. You know, well, but I mean, it's worth it for you to do it. I, maybe, I, I don't know what else you can do. I'm with them 100. percent Can I say something, Ben? Just last ahead. thing. I know we're we're a little over. I don't want to go over time, but so I ran track in high school and college, and um, I think one of the things I learned doing track is that um, the way you get better is by doing the same thing, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So you can run 100 meters and you lose. Um, and the only way you're going to get faster is if you run 100 meters, right? You, you run the race again. Um, and so I think to your point, Moreau, like, yeah, I mean, we've seen folks historically not win in yeah. the city, right? Um, but, we, you know, we study that, we learn from that, and then we do the thing again. Like, we cannot stop, right? The moment yeah. we stop and say, well, right, this is, this is, this is static and it won't, you know, this won't change, then, 
that's when we've lost. But but for right yeah. now, we gotta we gotta get up and do it every day. Oh that's yeah, no, we gotta I, do. I'm, yeah, right. No, I'm not arguing against that. And and to your point, I can remember. I'm old enough where I can remember when um, this guy broke the four minute mile, mm-hmm. and that was speaking of track, and that was a great big deal. Now, you know, you, if you can't do a four-minute mile, you're slow, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, you know. So, I, no, I understand that part, but I, I'm, I'm just saying you got some difficult days ahead. Yeah, yeah I, I hope you join us, Monroe. We want you out there. We need your oh, experience. Yeah. Monroe, you know, Dixon, it's so funny. I, I, Monroe's on the show every Wednesday, so I watch him with guests and stuff like that. He's always like this conservative old guy. I'm like, I've known him when he was a rabble rouser, okay, Dixon? I'm just yeah. telling you that. I knew Monroe when he was a rabble rouser, a troublemaker, and the Tribune hated him, okay? Because he was he's what they call a race man. And uh, it's like, <laughs> but I'm with you 100%, and I know in his heart Monroe is with you 100% too. And I'm just going to put this one out there. Hey, Obamas, I know you're both of you listen to my podcast every day and you love it dearly. And your favorite show in particular is Monroe Wednesdays. So I know you're listening. Come on. That speech of Barack Obama, when you said that you hope this center encourages young uh, people from the neighborhood to get into politics and do good uh, was great and dandy. But, you know, you're a smart man, you know that if none of the measures that Dixon Romeo is talking about are put in place, there will be no young people like that in South Shore and Woodlawn to benefit from the Obama Center in 2030. It'll be like Lincoln Park, where Monroe lives, Maud Street. You know that. You're a smart guy. You're very, you know, you know what's going to happen. So we could use a little help back in the hometown. That's just me speaking, Dixon. You could use a little help from the Obamas on this one. I, I love it. I'm welcoming. Um, I don't think Brock's going to call my phone, but if he does, it won't ring more than once, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, he's a huge listener to the Ben Jarosky. He particularly loves the Wednesday. So, by the way, Dixon, you let a cat out of the bag. You ran track? I did not know that. I said, what was your uh Well, look, we'll look. In college, it was D3, so you know. You know, not that fast, but high school. You know, went to Kenwood Academy, Broncos. Shout out to, to, uh, you know, Miss Callaway. Shout out to Miss Kirby. Shout out to Coach Wallace. Um, I think we won indoor city. We were one of the few teams to go downstate a couple of years. We did good stuff. I ran the 100, 200, 400, 800. We had a small team. So I was doing everything. I triple jumped. You know, <laughs> we was doing everything. <laughs> Triple jump. That's the weirdest thing. Triple jump. Uh, the uh, the miler who broke the four minute mile was Roger Bannister. How about that? Yeah, bro, that I, I yeah, no, I've forgotten that. But yeah, yeah, not, yeah Roger yeah, Bannister. No, I've forgotten his name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Monroe uh, Anderson uh, was a great runner back in Gary, Indiana. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, we were, we are out of time, but uh, Monroe, I just have to. We will close with just a really brief thing, and maybe uh, Dixon will get a, force a, get a, a thought into this or not. Uh, not. Uh, Donald Trump, we just got to do this. I, uh, we'll probably talk about this more next week. Donald Trump is so out of his freaking mind. This The book just broke. Uh, what was it? Uh, Stephanie Grisham. She was a former press secretary, Melania Trump, and they're talking about uh, how when Donald Trump would get down, they would play him show tunes, the man, 
when he, playing, when he was going when he was going nuclear they, they yeah. Would do that. yeah i mean he was just cursing <laughs> people out and yelling and screaming at everybody so that they would play play um memories from cats i, I don't even know if what the song sounds like but obviously it's not good <laughs> if trump liked it it's no good it's not a good song <laughs> I, I i know that uh my daughters make fun of me immensely and like I'm here visiting them uh, in LA. And so when I'm in the car, they're really nice to me. So they'll put on like old people's music, uh, music from the seventies. So last night we were driving around the car and I'm listening to Dionne Warwick, you know, oh, you know, uh, say a little before you. <laughs> so I know it calms me down, but just to think of being the president of the United States and having a guy whose job it is to uh -oh, put the cat's record on. Cause he's going nuclear. Monroe, the man was, it's just another evidence of how insane, he is. He how is insane yeah. Donald Trump is. Right. You know? he's, he's, he's totally insane. And, and just, right now you have the generals are talking to Congress, to the, to the military um, committees at Congress, uh, trying to explain why uh, Milley, talk to the Chinese, the Chinese, his Chinese counterpart. Uh, and it's because they were afraid that Trump would do something crazy. Yeah. That's what, that's how much, uh, what bad shape he was in. And is well, it. Well, here, here's how it all ties together. And so right now with Joe Biden in, uh, the feds have kicked in, I forget how many uh, billions of dollars to the city of Chicago. And that's enabling Lori life. Two billion. Chicago City. Two billion, thank you. One point nine billion. You're correct. Damn, Dixon knows his stuff. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I mean, we gotta have Dixon on the show all the time. Uh, so, yeah, two billion dollars, and that's enabling Lori Life to claim she has a balanced budget. Scott Wagesback was on the show yesterday. Alderman Scott Wagesback, the Finance Committee, explaining how uh, they're putting the budget together with this money. I got news for you guys. That money's not coming to the city of Chicago if Donald Trump is the president of the United States, and so it's going to cost money to implement the programs to save South Shore and Woodlawn. It's going to cost money. Now, you're giving money, again, to the Bears to move to Arlington Heights. I think you should view it as an investment in the people of the city of Chicago. But it ties together, Monroe, because if you don't have, if you still have Donald Trump in the White House, you don't have the money coming into the city of Chicago from the feds that enable the city uh, to even make these they're already saying if Trump gets reelected, which is what uh, doing all this voter suppression in key states is about now, if he gets reelected, he's already said it's going to be a revenge uh, term where he's just going to, and, and Chicago will be on the enemies list. So not only will we not get money, but he'll be trying to figure out ways to punish us. Yeah. So, Dixon, just when you thought it couldn't get worse, it could get worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, look, Trump is, yeah, I don't know. I can't, I'll leave that up to you guys. You all are better suited to talk about him than me. I don't have anything positive to say. I mean, I think what he does. Uh, me neither, but Ben may have a point. I, <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say this. It will, I'll close by tying it all together one more time. Hey, Kyrie Irving, when you spout that nonsense about the vaccination, you're spouting Trumpism, MAGAisms. It all comes together. And then it's like Chicago, 
Chicago's just going to... And it's Russian talking point. Yeah. yeah. No, seriously, it's Russian talking <laughs> Putin, Putin said, oh, Donald, you know, we think, I think... Oh, my goodness. man you are, you ought to be saying this. And Trump was saying, okay, how do I say that again? <laughs> oh, Dixon, it's unbelievable. So the book reveals that Trump tells Putin, he's all right, now look, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk real tough when the TV cameras are on, but as soon as the TV... That's just me talking tough. As soon as the TV cameras are off, I'll be sucking up to you. Could you imagine if Lori Lightfoot treated you that way, Dixon? All right, Dixon, uh, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, it I'm wouldn't work. Tough. <laughs> <laughs> no, but she goes, when the cameras are off, I'm going to give you that money uh, to help the people who wouldn't on the South Shore, but I'm going to talk tough to you at first so that the downtown business community, Cranes, Chicago Business, and Tribune, et cetera, they, they think I'm standing up, uh, you know, <laughs> Can you imagine if they did it that way? I mean, if if, if it did, you know, I, I, I if it if it got folks what they needed, I'd take it, right? But uh, yeah. I mean, that, it kind of is how city council works, right? Because didn't the mayor turn around and say, you know, like, man, get rid of tips and get rid of automatic prerogative, and then uh, and then just go about her business? <laughs> yeah, she told me, don't get me started. She go, Ben, I'm against tips as much as you are, and then got in the office and said, Ben, yeah. who? Yeah. She said, said she's going to support the CBA and then it took forever for her to get on board. Said the same thing for ECPS, said the same thing for like the representative school board. I mean, I think the Trump analogy, you know, it's not that uh, it's pretty common. I'd say in Chicago politics to to be tough in front of the camera and then uh, hold hands behind doors. <laughs> yeah, except they never do it for anybody. They never hold hands with people that you want them to hold hands with. That's exactly. the problem. You exactly, know exactly, exactly. All right, we can't solve all the world's problems today. We did a good start, and uh, I want to thank uh, Monroe Anderson, the great legendary uh, journalist, uh, Monroe Anderson, every Wednesday on my show, uh, and Dixon Romeo. I can't bring you back enough. Sometimes yeah, keep, it's hard to get a hold of Dixon, up, but when you get him on, he's awesome. Dixon. Keep up, keep 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 up the fight, man. I will. I'm trying. We'll, we'll keep yeah. going. Yeah. All right, very good. And, of course, I want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy, Alton, Illinois, without whom the show would be possible. And it is Monroe Anderson, Dixon Romeo, and Lori Leifer will say, and she doesn't even say it. She'll even say it on camera. Uh, <laughs> without Dr. D, we couldn't do this show. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. find cars like these on auto trader like that car riding right your tail or if you're tailgating right now all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on auto trader too are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time well multitasking pro cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.